Well, join me in your Bibles this morning to Luke, the 23rd chapter, as we continue through this gospel narrative. And, and at this point in our study, our Lord has is, is been crucified. He's hanging on the cross, and they're, they're there for a number of hours in this excruciating situation, him and the two thieves that were crucified with him. <clears throat> and normally this type of death could take days because it was a kind of a, a kind of a put you in a position where you kind of suffocated over time. You just you just lacked ability to breathe over time in the way they had you hang there and, and if you were able to push yourself up with your feet, you could get a little respite from that and catch a little breath of air, and it would prolong the situation. And, and uh, as the Jews were in a hurry to put the Lamb of God to death so that they could go put the Lamb of God to death, <laughs> as it were, at the Passover, they said, break their legs. Well, the reason they wanted to break their legs is so they couldn't raise themselves up and they would suffocate quicker and they would die not only from the shock of that kind of... Can you imagine that the, the methodology that they would use to break their legs was probably not pleasant. So uh, <clears throat> they probably used some something that was handy, a club or a rock or whatever, but... Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the that's where we're at in today's lesson regarding these two thieves that were crucified with Jesus. And so beginning in Luke 23, 32, and there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, the Latin word uh, for the scholar and Golgotha was the Greek term for that, they were crucified they crucified him and the male factors one on the right hand and the other on the left <clears throat> and then said Jesus forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lots and the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying he saved others let him save himself if he be the Christ the chosen of God what a mocking thing to say what a taunting remark and the soldiers also mocked him in coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. <clears throat> But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. <clears throat> but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, or of a truth, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. So there's quite a lot to unbundle there, and we're not going to, uh, much of it we touched upon in our other 
times that we've studied uh, Mark and John and <clears throat> so uh, a couple of different things that we want to look at today is in in this block of scripture and <clears throat> as I mentioned in uh, this this uh, the other two th thieves they were called thieves and Mark and, and John mentioned there but they don't mention him uh, conversing with Jesus they just mentioned that there were two thieves crucified with him one on the left one on the right and, <clears throat> and Luke is the one that brings us this special portion that's just so it's it's not a very big piece of scripture but it, there's so much in it it's it's just so such a wonderful block <clears throat> because it describes what every child of God has gone through in truth and it describes a, a lot of what go is gone through by religious folks so <clears throat> uh, Today's lesson is, is, I titled it The Paradise of God, but the, that's kind of the, the last sentence of the scripture, and we, I don't know if we'll get to that part today, but uh, <clears throat> pretty pretty significant portion there. But uh, today we're, we're going to look at these two thieves, and, and we're not going to really read much from John and Mark because it just said they were thieves, they were insurrectionists, robbers, probably career criminals that had been tried, convicted, and sentenced to execution by the Romans who had the, the only power to, to do that. And, and crucifixion was the Roman method of dealing with it. The Jews' method was stoning, which they did, although they said they didn't have the power to even do that, but they did. They're, in the Bible said they stoned certain ones. And, so so the Romans had sentenced these to execution in this most hideous way, most public way, and they had a probably each one of them had a superscription over there that we talked about in our last class called the accusation that said this guy was an insurrectionist, this guy was a murderer, this guy was a robber. That's what they would have put on Barabbas's cross had he been there. And... <clears throat> So these guys had been caught doing whatever they did, uh, plunderers, uh, robbers. <clears throat> so the one, though, something happens. And, and we're going to kind of imagine ourselves their firsthand witnesses as they these three are on the cross. We have this poor, raggedy, pitiful-looking, beat-up thing in the middle that's our Lord, <laughs> bleeding from everything. He'd been, he'd been scourged. Now, it doesn't tell us that the other criminals had been scourged, but it tells us that Jesus was scourged because that's what was written in Isaiah. With his stripes, we, we were healed. But these were just crucified. It doesn't say what other punishments they may have in, uh, had inflicted on them <clears throat> and they're mocking him he doesn't look very kingly because it said king of the Jews in Greek Latin and Hebrew on his cross he doesn't look much like a king does he he doesn't look much like he could do anything he's hanging there 
looked like he's barely clinging on to life, bleeding. And they're mocking him because that's how he looks. But in truth, he was what the sign, what the accusation said he was. He was the king, the king of glory. <clears throat> and so as we look at this situation here, and in our last lesson, we, we again brought out the natural condition of man and sin as, and as stated by the one thief that was crucified with him on the right side of Jesus, we, we are indeed guilty. <laughs> we deserve what's happening. And one was brought to an understanding regarding the guiltiness of our position by nature, by the most holy God. And the other one, it, it's, you, if you think about it, he's, he's hanging there hours or minutes from death. And he's got so much life left in him and he's got so much energy left in him. And what's he do? <laughs> Curses God right to the very end. He's like railing on him and mocking him and saying, hey, if you're really the king, save, save us. And he meant it in a physical way, not, a, not anything to do spiritually. He just wanted down off that cross. He wanted not to die that day is what he wanted. And he wanted not to die in that painful uh, manner. But the other one is brought to a sense of a need for a savior, a daysman, as we brought out in our last uh, class from Job, an intercessor. <clears throat> and what we find here is the natural man, and they were both in this condition at the beginning of this, this scene. They were both crucified at the same time, and they were both railing on him. They both, the scriptures say, they, they both cast the same in his teeth. The, the Jews were mocking him, and the people were mocking him, saying, if you're the king, come down off that cross. Save yourself. <clears throat> and they cast the, the same in his teeth. They, both of them. Well, the natural man has no part, ability, nor right to participate in the spiritual things of God. That's what it tells us in 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of the God, and not because he doesn't want them, which, which he doesn't, but they're not offered to him. They're not, he receiveth not. Re receiving, when you receive something, it means that somebody gives you something. You don't receive something out of thin air, out of nothing. If you receive, what does man have but what he receives? That's what this Bible tells us. <clears throat> so the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The gift He doesn't receive the gift of God because it was not given to him. <clears throat> and <clears throat> they are foolishness to him. Even if they were extended without the new birth, he would not accept them because... Their foolishness to him. Can you imagine the the one thief on the right says, "Lord," he, he says. He he tells the other guy to stop. Stop taunting him. Stop mocking him. That's the Lord. And it's not foolishness to him anymore. And he's he tells that other guy, 
stop and he calls him Lord and you imagine the other guy and I know how many in here have had the experience when somebody says something about the Lord and you say you know that's that's the Lord God Almighty do, do, do you not fear God and they say oh did you go and get religious on us because <laughs> that's probably what that other thief said oh great we're dying up here and you just got religion that's not going to help us we're both going to be dead here in a bit. <laughs> and that's how they look at things. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Neither. That word can speaks to ability. No ability to know or understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And certainly this, this one thief, this one robber, this plunderer is what the Bible says he was, who was joined with the other thief and, the, and those gathered to blaspheme the Lord, to mock him and to taunt him. He fit that description. He was in that boat because they, they both were doing it. The same as all of us. <clears throat> and maybe, maybe we come from a religious background and we would never say anything bad about God that in the way that we think about him. But it turns out in religion, many of the ways that we think about him are not right. And so many of the things that we say about him in religion that are not, because we're thinking about him in not a right way, turn out to be lies about him. But we don't think about them in that way. We think, oh, we're, I'm religious. I go to church all the time. But I say a bunch of things about the Lord God Almighty that are just not, not the truth. So they're taunting the one in the middle, the one who appeared so far from even being able to save himself, let alone anyone else. And yet he was the savior of the world, the savior of all of his people from every kindred, tongue, and tribe, and nation. <clears throat> savior, of, savior of all the ones whom the Lord gave him in the covenant in John 17. That, as thou hast given him power over all things, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Thine they were, thou hast given them to me. That's what it says in John 17. <clears throat> and so this one is still in that unregenerate state where the gospel is foolishness to him. The guy next to him looks awful. What can you do? You can't. You're the least person to be able to do anything for me. Yet something happened to him in those hours of agony. It says they, they, there was darkness from the third hour until the ninth. So there's a time there that they're hanging there that we don't know. Because we read it in, the, in like 15 seconds. We read that whole block of scripture. And so... That's our, rel that's our time reference that we have for that. It doesn't take very long to read it. But they were there all day. And the Jews were worried that they'd still be there at sunset at the beginning of the Sabbath. And if there was dead criminals hanging around, they couldn't deal with it. So they said, break their legs. We need to get them down. We'll take these prisoners, these thieves, and we'll cast them over into the bone pit over there in the Valley of Gehenna where we get rid of all the refuse and 
criminals and that sort of thing. And, and of course, we know that Jesus was spoken for by one that said, I'll take him and put him in a tomb, just as the scripture said. But something happened in those times, those hours of agony, where both the thieves were using what little time they had left to hurl insults at the Lord of glory, the Prince of Life, just like today. <clears throat> the Jews were anxious for this to be over with so that they could make preparations for the Passover lamb. <laughs> it's, such, it's such an ironic tale here that they said, we need to, we need to get him down off of there so we can go celebrate the Passover. <laughs> So, you know, they were there at the, according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God to accomplish, but no understanding because of what it says in Corinthians. Natural man doesn't receive those things, neither can he know them, he can't understand them. So what happens to this one thief? Well, the miracle of grace, the miracle of salvation. And it's just a classic instance because it's, it's so simple. And it takes all the religiosity out of things. The miracle of salvation. You know, in John 3, we, and we read this all the time, I, and the more I read it, the more I, I appreciate it, that unless a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God can't see it. He can read the Bible till he's blue in the face. He can have somebody preach the gospel to him until they're blue in the face. But until he's born again, he can't see it. All he can see is, what do I need to do? What shall I do to be saved? What shall I do? What shall I do? And uh, The ragged man on that cross next to him suddenly became illuminated to him in his true state. The lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. <clears throat> now it's unlikely that, that these guys that were, they were Jews probably, that were being crucified. You probably would have had to just be uh, deaf and blind not to have, not any knowledge of the Old Testament and those things if you were a Jew in that region of the world at that time. It was just part of your existence. <clears throat> and they knew that the Passover lamb. They, they knew the gospel that was they didn't understand it, they couldn't see it, but they'd probably been familiar with some aspect of it uh, being read to them or quoted to them on every Sabbath day, <clears throat> but they couldn't see it. So what happened to this guy? A man's heart was changed and he was given a new heart to know God. Isn't that just exactly what it tells us over in Ezekiel? If we've, 
if we were to go over to Ezekiel 36 and read uh, uh, verse 22 through 31, God says, I'm going to take you out away. I'm going to take you out of the heathen world. That world where he was one with the guy on the other side of Jesus. That's who his world was. That's who the, the, the heathenness of it. They were companions in crime and sin and unbelief. <clears throat> I'm going to take you out of that. And I'm going to give you a, a new heart. A heart to know me. He didn't give that to the other guy. <laughs> but he gave it to this he gave it to this man. And he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Well, a minute ago he was saying, Come down off there if you can and save yourself and save us. And you're not king of nothing. You're just a deplorable useless thing hanging there you're worse than us at least we're not bleeding out of every pore <clears throat> his taunting and this is a this is a part that's interesting his taunting is in his sins and his associations just like it says in in Ezekiel we're loathsome to him now Because he tells the other guy, stop that. Don't you fear God? He says, we're, we're getting what we deserve, but this man has done nothing amiss. Stop taunting him. And, and don't we have that same thing today? You know, we have people that taunt Jesus all the time. And sometimes we look the other way because they're family or friends or, and we don't want to cause a dispute. But it's, it hurts. It's hurtful to us when they do that. And then later we think, well, I should have probably told him, stop that. <laughs> Don't you fear God? <laughs> but it's just one of the things that's the scripture just points us out. And once you're born again, you see these things and you don't, until then, you don't, you don't really see them. The scene here so accurately portrays sovereign grace in salvation. You know, this man didn't have any chance to meet any conditions of salvation like what you would run into in religion. Well, you haven't gone to church. Not once. <laughs> you haven't been baptized. You're out. Can't be in the bride if you're not baptized. No communion. No tent meeting where some emotional manipulation was employed to get you to come on down and and do all that stuff. No, if you want to meet Jesus, just repeat this prayer after me. If you want to have a relationship with Jesus, just say this prayer after me. And then here's an 800 number to call and have your account, bank account number handy so that you can contribute to us keeping this stuff going. It costs money to have commercials on TV. <laughs> it costs money to have 
ads put in the magazines and whatnot. <clears throat> Costs money to have that guy stand there and tell you those fibs. There was no can prayer, no repeat after me salvation, just sovereign intervention by God for one of his elect. He didn't have time to take some of his ill-gotten gains and support a hospital in Uganda or, a, or dig a well in Ethiopia or contribute to some worthy cause globally, wherever. <clears throat> He didn't have a chance to do anything good. <clears throat> In fact, we might just say this guy had no merits at all. <laughs> Isn't that what we could say? He was meritless. <laughs> he was worse than meritless because it says he was a scoundrel. He was a thief. Maybe even a murderer. But he had been brought to this very point in time for this very intersection with the Lord of glory at this moment. I bet he would be the most surprised person in the world if Jesus would have said, guess what? You're going to be in the New Testament in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, and millions of people are going to read about me saving you. <laughs> he would have probably said, no, not possible. Look at me. He's like Paul. Paul said, I am, I'm the least of all I'm the least. I'm the most worthless. His repentance <clears throat> was a direct result of the new birth. Because it, like in Ezekiel, it says, I'm going to give you the new heart. The heart to know me. And after that, this is what's going to happen. I'm getting what I deserve. <laughs> This man is guiltless. This man is sinless. He's like the publican. You know, you ever think about that, that story that Jesus said, a, a Pharisee and a publican went down to the temple to pray. And he tells what the publican's prayer was. I thank God I'm not like other men and blah, 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 blah. Well, what was the essence of his prayer? There was not one thing in there that glorified God. There was not one thing that says, Lord, align my will with yours or anything good. It was just like, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And the publican, the tax collector said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That was his prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <clears throat> and that guy said, Lord, remember me. Think about me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Verse 43. <clears throat> and in the little bit of time left, we're going to kind of go back in, in time and think about the things that, that cause all this to come to be. You know, in the fall, it, it brought a complete change in man due to sin. <clears throat> man was in, an, man was in an, a different state before the, he sinned. He was in a state of fellowship with God, 
God came down to the garden daily, he said, and walked in the garden and and he created all, all things. He created this wonderful environment for man to be in this garden. <clears throat> and in the creation, all the, the garden and everything that God created, we were talking about creation this morning in our meeting before the services here. And, and in creation, everything was originally designed to and for the glory of God and for his pleasure. That's what the scriptures tell us. All things were created by him and for him and for his pleasure they were and are created. And and then it tells us, and by him all things consist. All, everything is held together by his will. Everything Everything is cohesive. Everything is brought together and held together by his will but then the fall happened and everything was different. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. I was reading a commentary. He says, well, he didn't say the man was cursed. He said the ground was cursed. And, and he says, where before you were going to try to, you were to do things to bring glory to God. Now you're going to be toiling in the curse and that affects man's nature in that everything that he does from a natural standpoint is based in that and it's it's all rooted in that curse it's all rooted in that sin it's all rooted in that fall the only thing that's not rooted in there is after the new birth and he says God be merciful to me a sinner you know Adam went right to the end <laughs> saying it's not my fault <laughs> you gave me the way it's actually it's your fault you gave me the woman would I be standing right here if you hadn't given me that woman <laughs> I would no wouldn't I? but that's just being facetious <laughs> but uh that's just that he went right up to the end till the Lord God made clothes uh, skins for them and clothed them. You know, uh, <clears throat> somebody was talking about Colossians this morning, but uh, in Colossians chapter one, verse sixteen through twenty-two, it tells us that for him were all things created, or by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, the things we can't see. Remember a couple of lessons ago we were talking about Elisha and his servant, and, and the servant had the physical view of things, and Elisha prayed, open his eyes that he could see. And, he, and the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw that the valley was filled with chariots and, and the army, the host of the Lord God of heaven. And he went, whoa. They were right there all the time, but he just couldn't see them. <clears throat> and we may explore that a little bit later when we start talking about today thou shalt be with me in paradise. You know, uh, last week I was reading some uh, 
Well, they just found the farthest away galaxy by using the James Mann telescope or the Hubble telescope, one of those telescopes that's up there in space that allows them to see a really long way out there. And when they can see a really long way out there, they found out that there's still a really long way out there. There's just no end to it. And they said, well, we thought we knew where stuff used to start from, but it turned out not. It's just farther and farther and farther and farther away. <clears throat> and so when we think about the paradise of God, it's like, how long of a trip is that? They said, well, the nearest star that we could, we've identified is 400,000 light years away. That's the distance light years, the distance light travels in a year, speed of electricity. And 186,000 feet per second, or miles per second, I think it is. It's way out there. And when you get way out there, there's just more way out there. <clears throat> so we'll kind of look at that spiritually here a little bit uh, more as we, if we have time. I don't think we'll have time today, but but uh, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's look over there at Colossians. It's it's just another one of those places where you just can't crash right into it. <laughs> In Colossians 1, and talking about Jesus who delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son and in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, that very blood that was shed there on that cross there that we're reading about over here in Luke. And he said, who's the image of the invisible God? We can't see him, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities, powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. By him they not only exist, but they're held together. All those strange magnetisms and gravitational things that we read about in physics holding everything together by the law of the nature of God and he's the head of the body of the church who's the, the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he might have the preeminence for it pleased the father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself, all those things that were opposed to him. By him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. And of course, this is written to this church of believers there, uh, Colossia, and that's who this is addressed to, the church there, and believers everywhere. He's reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Boy, what a wonderful thing if that thief on the cross only knew, if he only lived long enough to read Colossians, <laughs> he would have said, oh man, how wonderful. <clears throat> in his state there, he just said, 
I need an intercessor for sin. <clears throat> I need to be I need to be blameless. When I meet God, I need to I need someone. I need a daysman. <clears throat> so when we go back to Genesis chapter 3 and it tells about the fall and <clears throat> the result of that was they hid themselves from God amongst the trees of the garden in verse 34 or 24 of Genesis 3 it says God drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. It's interesting too, there's another verse in the Psalms that says, Awake, O sword. And uh, we don't have time to go into that today, but I think those two verses are linked. I think they're, they're complementary of one another. And so we, we see from our text the the compulsory and prerequisite necessity of a transition because man was in the fall was driven out he was dead in trespasses and sins estranged from the fellowship of God and all things spiritual and no ability to change that on his own so there had to be this change that we read about in Ezekiel <clears throat> a change that spiritually happens in the new birth and then another change that happens when when we end up like this thief on the cross when we leave this world and we and we go to what it's called uh, thou shalt be with me today in paradise <clears throat> so there has to be a couple things that happen the flesh our nature in this world is corrupt and cannot enter or participate in that realm. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15.50. <clears throat> Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of, of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. <clears throat> and that's true of a physical sense and a spiritual sense at the same time because uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit spiritual things in our we have to be born again in that a spiritual new birth <clears throat> and the flesh and blood that we have in this world is not going to enter in to the spiritual kingdom <clears throat> it's going to be changed because it says at the resurrection we shall be changed we, in the twinkling of an eye we shall be changed and this corruption shall put on incorruption. This mortality shall put on immortality. All those things that are connected to our worldly condition, our worldly body, and those will all be altered, all be changed. <clears throat> uh, 
So our body in this world doesn't allow a transition to a spiritual realm, and there must be a change wrought in us, the same as is externally imposed on us in the new birth. Uh, the change we call death when the body that we're assigned in this world returns to dust as it says in Genesis 3.19 from, from dust thou art and to dust thou shalt return <clears throat> but the new birth gives us a new perspective on our existence and our true relationship in the spiritual world of God you know Jesus said these are in the world and a couple of verses later he says but they are not of the world. And so this thief recorded for us as a pattern of true salvation. He was unable to do anything for himself given the new birth just before he passed on. And then the Lord said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And so in our next lesson, probably be a couple weeks because I'll be gone next week, we'll be looking at the paradise of God. Is it a place or is it more of a person or is it a, some kind of a combination of the two being with Jesus is paradise wherever that may be <clears throat> so we'll look at that next time and until then thank you for your attention be free because the Lord was on the cross paying our sin debt